morning, good afternoon, and good evening from whatever part of this wonderful world that you're listening to this podcast. I am in the United States of America, state of Florida, specifically Hollywood, Florida. My name is Dr. Richard Lewis, and I'd like to welcome you to the world premiere of Second Chance Coaching. Thank you for spending your time with me, and it is my hope that you'll continue to go along this journey with me. And along the way, if you'd be so kind as to leave a rating for this podcast and leave your feedback, it would be very much appreciated. And it would give people such as yourself the optimal opportunity to find this podcast. What is Second Chance Coaching? What is the mission of this podcast? This podcast is built upon the mission and the passion and the movement to provide the everyday perspective of life through the eyes of the returning citizen. Who or what is the returning citizen, you ask? The returning citizen has commonly been known as an ex-convict, an ex-felon, a formerly incarcerated individual, or one with a criminal justice history. I'm passionate about this subject because that returning citizen is me. Second Chance Coaching is the movement that'll bring awareness to the challenges and triumphs of the returning citizen. In addition, Second Chance Coaching will also speak to the resiliency of the human spirit, the ability to overcome challenges through this journey we call life. As, as we all know, through its ups and downs, life does not, does, does not take a time out whether you're a returning citizen or not. In my life, in my journey, I've been fortunate to be tremendously blessed, not with riches, but with God's love the love of my parents, my sister, my children, my niece, and countless family, friends, and loved ones. Weaved within those blessings over 20 years ago, I was convicted of a white-collar nonviolent crime. I strongly felt I was wrongly convicted, but what I'm looking to concentrate on today is that even in the challenge of being incarcerated and living with those collateral consequences, I've been fortunate to be blessed with God's love, family's love, the ability to focus and be resilient through tough times, and focus on what my next steps would be, and living the best life I can. I'm starting and proceeding with this movement, this podcast, because when I was incarcerated, I saw many people come home, go home, and come back. And I would ask, why would they keep coming back? And there was just a lot of challenges that are are associated with being incarcerated and your life post-incarceration. When I came home, I was really just trying to survive, really just trying to put the incarceration behind me. I looked at it as a scarlet letter. I looked at it as some sort of shame, a hit on my self-esteem. And I wasn't trying to embrace the blessing that came out of the challenge that I was going through. Spent a lot of time trying to seek and discover my voice. I thought that by getting further academic or professional accomplishments, it would heal or just put away that challenge and not really... I didn't really spend the time recognizing what blessings that could come forth from the challenges that I went through. When I went to prison, I already had a college education. I had my Bachelor of Science degree from St. John's University. I majored in athletic administration. I also had a Master of Arts degree at the time. Well, I still have the Master of Arts degree, but at the time I already had my Master of Arts degree in sports administration from Wayne State University in Detroit. And because of that education, I was assigned as one of my work assignments in prison to be a teacher's aide in the school. I would assist my fellow inmates in learning how to read and prepare for their high school equivalency diploma. The reading assignment during that time was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I think that because I associated Harry Potter books with my time in prison, I never read the books outside of, uh, of assisting students in class, and I never saw any of the movies. 
In the afternoons, I had my vocational work assignment where I worked as a printing press operator in the prison's printing press. So any kind of publications, calendars, or any anything that the prison put out, they did it in-house in the printing press, and I was one of the operators that operated that printing press. Since I had come home, my professional journey took me to so many different places over the years, and now I currently serve as a student services administrator and adjunct professor at our local community college. It has certainly given me the opportunity to work with students, make a difference in their lives, help a system making their cricket path straight, and even had the opportunity to meet with students who had similar paths like me, trying to figure out where to go after being incarcerated or having some sort of criminal justice involvement. What I didn't realize, and certainly what they didn't realize, is as much as I was helping them and putting seeds in them, they were also putting seeds in me and inspiring me to continue my academic journey. I went and pursued my second master's degree, a Master of Business Administration degree in Human Resources from Nova Southeastern University. And during that journey, I did something that I thought I wouldn't do either. I went and pursued my doctorate degree and got my Doctor of Education degree in Organizational Leadership, also from Nova Southeastern University. Outside of my main jobs at the, at the college that I work at, I also volunteer as the Vice Chairperson of the Institutional Review Board at the college. That Institutional Review Board is the board that reviews any research requests that are being, that, of any research that needs to be done or wants to be done by people within the college or outside the college and to ensure that they are going through standard research ethics and standards that have to be followed in doing research, institutional research. I also volunteer as a member of the African-American Council for the City of Hollywood, where we address needs, concerns of the African-American community in the City of Hollywood. I also serve as the chairperson of the Board of Directors for the Florida Justice Center, which is designed to assist low-income defendants getting quality legal pro bono representation. As part of my doctoral program, you have to write what's called a dissertation. A dissertation, one could call it, is a, like a term paper on steroids. And my doctoral dissertation was titled The Relationship Between Recidivism Rates and Post-Release Employment. I was passionate about this subject because as I indicated earlier, when I was in prison, I would meet people that would come back and say they were in prison for the second or third time. And they would detail so many different issues as to why they were in prison, whether they committed a new crime, or had a technical violation of probation or parole. And a lot of them would talk about some of the issues that would cause them to do that. Lack of employment, lack of education, um, lack of opportunity, housing, mental health, maybe recovering drug use or trying to recover. And it would fall into the pattern of, th these challenges would have them fall into the pattern of reoffending, which is called recidivism. And the statistics show us that 70% of people who are released from jail, return to prison within three years. And one of the things I was, I think I was doing doctoral research without even knowing it when I was in prison, just by having conversations with folks. And one of the main things that they talked about was not having a sustainable full-time job or being able to establish a legal business because of some of the collateral consequences of having been in prison. When I did my doctoral dissertation, I decided to survey probation parole officers human resource managers, and even direct service providers for returning citizens who'd been incarcerated. And the overall theme from all of them was that they all agreed that returning citizens won't reoffend if they have sustainable full-time employment. I surveyed 124 probation or parole officers, 47 human resource managers, 
and 83 direct service providers of returning citizens. I'd like to share some of those statistics with you. 87% of probation or parole officers said it was less likely for returning citizens to commit new offenses within three years if they had full-time sustainable employment. 76% of probation parole officers said it was less likely for returning citizens to commit technical violations of probation or parole if they had full-time sustainable employment. 73% of probation parole officers said it was less likely returning citizens would reoffend if they were operating their own legal business. Now, going to HR managers, 85% of human resource managers said they were open to hiring returning citizens. 55% of those human resource managers said their organizations would be open to hiring returning citizens. Here's two other interesting statistics that I thought was pretty interesting. 72% of human resource managers indicated that if they hire returning citizens, they felt they were hiring reliable and competent employees. And 60% of human resource managers said that their organizations felt that by hiring returning citizens, that they were hiring reliable and competent employees. Another interesting stat that I saw during the time I was doing this research was that 55% of human resource managers disagreed. They disagreed that criminal background checks are an accurate indicator of the type of employee they'll receive. So you know if you do a criminal background check, someone says, okay, well, they did this crime or they were convicted of this, that could give someone the thought in their mind that this is this person's a certain type of person, they're a bad individual. But over half of human resource managers disagreed that that's an accurate picture of the type of employee that they would get. Certainly, I could throw a whole lot of statistics at you, but certainly, if you're interested, you could read my 183-page dissertation. It's published on ProQuest. It's on Google Scholar and, and other places like that. But the main point is, I wanted to demonstrate through my research that returning citizens that have purpose through employment or getting a business, it reduces recidivism. They become contributing taxpayers. And because there's no reoffending, there's no more, there's no reoffending of crimes. People are not out there being desperate. It makes for a safer community. My dissertation and my passion for the dissertation also really came forth when I was working at the Fortune Society in New York. And I had the opportunity to meet who would be a mentor and a friend, and who's a mentor and a friend to many people, the founder of the Fortune Society, Mr. David Rothenberg. I would observe him and so many people at Fortune as far as the type of work that they would do and the way they would touch and they would heal folks and they would just really just turn people's lives around. And I loved being a part of that. I remember having a conversation with David, one of many conversations I've had with him and said, what is the key to really having successful reentry for returning citizens? And he just said the secret sauce was really dealing with one person at a time, dealing with one person at a time and showing that individual that their environment or their culture could be created to build such a powerful future that it's a challenge to their past, so much so that they'll overcome it. They'll overcome their past. Those voices, those powerful voices at Fortune really had made the difference in my life and may have made the difference of so many returning citizens and still makes that difference to this very day. In later podcast episodes, I'll certainly talk more about my experiences at Fortune, where I worked as a family services specialist. My primary job there was working with single fathers to, for them to establish their paternity, teaching parenting classes with them, teaching life skill classes with them, and even having cooking classes with them. Now, I didn't teach them how to cook. We brought a cook in to work with them as far as teaching them new recipes to cook. So they wouldn't just 
have their kids and take them to fast food restaurants all the time. You know, give them an alternative to show that how cooking and the art of cooking and doing those things together as a family could build those family bonds. But those experiences gave them inner strength, gave them power, created sustainable voices in them and in the lives of their families. What I didn't realize, as I indicated, that while I was doing that purpose-driven job and trying to plant seeds in others, those seeds were being planted in me as well. During that time, I also had a second job. I worked at security for the Amsterdam Billiards Club, which at the time was in the Upper West Side of New York City, like uh, Amsterdam Avenue and 77th Street. It was a great working experience, plain and simple. I just applied through the Village Voice, I answered an ad, and I got the job. The seeds of my criminal justice advocacy were really planted in part through these two experiences, two very different experiences. At Fortune, they knew I was incarcerated. I went through their career development program and I was hired because I did so well in their program. In Amsterdam, they didn't know I was incarcerated to my knowledge. They didn't do a background check. I was interviewed, I was hired. I believe I interviewed well because I was able to demonstrate my authentic personality. And despite my, <laughs> despite my physical presence, I'm one of those people that don't like to start fights. I like to de-escalate places, de-escalate confrontations. And certainly in an upscale environment like that, that's a safe environment. That's who, that, that's who they wanted. That's who they wanted in a security person. I loved working at both places. They continued to reinforce my strong work ethic and continued to really build my self-esteem as I was beginning a new life as a returning citizen. I had a good relationship with my parole officer. She saw I was working at two places and it continued to solidify my relationships and trust with my family, in particular with my two children. And once again, speaking of family, like I said before, twice already, could not have gotten through that initial time period and experience without the continued prayers and love of family, friends, and loved ones. In particular, during that time period, my mom, my sister, my niece, and of course my children were absolute fuel for me. Even one of my aunties who lived and still lives in Brooklyn, I would, still, I would see her regularly, and she would always fill in for my mom between my mom's work shifts and my work shifts when I was fulfilling part of my sentence on work release, and she'd do a lot of little things for me out of love. Cook dinner, allow me to take a nap between jobs at, 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 at her apartment, and do the, those little things for me that certainly weren't so little that sustained love and kept you driven to do well in life. When you go through those experiences where you don't feel as worthy and your self-esteem takes a hit, when you have that love of family that sustains you, strengthens you, speaks love into you, maybe not always through their words, but through their actions, you find yourself worthy. You're actually moving forward and you're optimizing your second chance. And those second chances really happen every day. Those second chances happen when your mother looks at you and says that she's proud that you're her son. When your sister and your niece look at you and say, tell you how much they love you and they always have your back. When your children look at you and so happy to spend time with you and say, Daddy, you are our hero. When I have lifelong friends that look at me and say, we love you so much. We have, we're, we're bringing a new child into the world and we want you to be our child's godfather. And then it's just some of the normal things, going to work, going to the gym, going to school, taking classes, enjoying summers with the kids, just being an everyday person. But 
still being a returning citizen as well. You or a family member that you know might be a returning citizen. So connect with me to co- and, and we could work together. I could coach you one-on-one. Certainly, you won't speak to an assistant. You won't speak to anybody else. You'll speak directly to me. If you're a business or a college or university that are engaging with returning citizens, either they're being hired into your organization or you're accepting them as students into your, into your college and university, work with me one-on-one as well and I can navigate you through that process. You can email me at richard at secondchancecoaching.com. That's richard at secondchancecoaching, all one word, dot com. You could also reach me through Instagram at the Dr. Richard Lewis. That's T-H-E-D-R-R-I-C-H-A-R-D-L-O-U-I-S. Thank you for taking this journey along with me. Thank you for joining me on Second Chance Coaching. And I look forward to us taking this journey together. And remember, every day that you're blessed to wake up, every day that you're blessed to see another day, you have your second chance. Thank you so much. And I look forward to talking to you soon.